Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy you've tuned into the show. Whether you have listened before or you're brand new, I'm so grateful for you. You have no idea. And this episode is brought to you by my Become Aligned course. And podcasts are amazing. And I know that you know that because you guys all listen to them. And I do too. And sometimes they are not necessarily enough because while we're listening, sometimes we're passively listening and we're not actively listening. So the reason that Chris and I, Chris is my husband, the reason we've created this course is because we get asked so many questions outside of the podcast on how we started living the life that we live now, a life of happiness, of abundance, of really understanding that life is always full of problems every single day, but there's always a solution. And how do we shift back into a mindset that's going to keep us happy, keep us together, keep us successful, and keep us in thriving relationships. And that is what 
our Become Aligned course is about. Because we cover everything from mindset to the rituals that we do every single day. We talk about different energy sources that's really going to provide you with lasting energy. We talk about your purpose and what that actually means, what it is, and how it's ever-changing. We're going to tap into your beliefs. We're going to show you how to build a tribe to support where you're going. And we're definitely going to talk about wealth, abundance, money, all of the good things and how to sustain all of this. Because while, like I said, podcasts are absolutely awesome, you don't necessarily sit down and actually write out a plan for yourself. Because as much as I can sit here and tell you on the podcast what we do and how much, how many different people that I can interview, it's important that you actually learn how to apply these things in your own life. So if you've been listening for a while and you are ready to go deep and you really want to get some direct training and be able to dive into your life and yourself and your mindset, this is the course for you. I don't know about you, but I absolutely have points in my life where I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I hit walls where I don't necessarily feel happy anymore and I haven't sat with myself long enough. I haven't really let myself think. I haven't written out how I actually feel. And so many people who took this course said that it was completely life-changing and they revealed a lot of things about themselves, about them li- about their lives, about their relationships that they weren't really looking at or they were avoiding. And it's about having those tough conversations, not only with other people, but really with yourself and knowing that you have the tools and the access to the tools. And we're going to teach you all of the tools that you need, not only to move through things, but to actually thrive on the other side. So you guys, I would love for you to join the Aligned community. It's such a special group of human beings and you get lifetime access. This is nine different modules where you're going to be working through each area of your life at your own pace. So you might need something on abundance. You might need more on you know money. You might need more on your purpose, on your tribe. This is where you can really go deep on exactly what you need and make sure that you're not missing any of your blind spots if you are feeling stuck or if you are wondering how everyone is doing it and how they're managing it all. This is a truly honest course about how to have a thriving life and manage and deal with all of the different problems that do come up in your life and understand that not everyone is going to support you and not everyone is for you and you are not for everyone. And that's okay. It's finding your people. It's forgiving yourself. It's creating a life of abundance and choosing your own purpose and your happiness. So you guys, you can go to becomealigned.com. That's becomealigned.com. And you guys know that because you're listeners, I'm going to give you an awesome deal and an awesome discount. And I cannot wait to see you in that community. And also let me know if you join because it is such an awesome, awesome uh, community. And also I'm really proud of this course. Chris and I poured our heart and our soul into this. Everything that we've done, everything that we've learned, we've invested so so much into ourselves that this is everything that we have applied in our lives. And if you want to know how we've done it, we put it all on the table. We've put it all in this course. So if you want to know, go check it out at becomealigned.com. So let's get into the show. 
And I think people often like assume that we all maybe do the same thing or, and sometimes we do, but it's really hard to like learn how to be a director. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. This conversation and guest just blows my mind. Not only because this woman is so crazy talented. And when I say crazy talented, you will learn in just one minute. But she is the coolest homegirl so unassuming, so fun, and just completely the girl that you would want to be best friends with. And I think that that was just the most beautiful, amazing surprise for me is when I got to meet her at a lunch event that I was invited to from Jacqueline Johnson of Create and Cultivate. Uh, I was invited to a lunch outing with like 20 other women. And I sit next to this woman who I had just essentially met because we met online. And it's so cool, you guys. She had tagged me in Insta stories that she was reading my book uh, on her honeymoon. And I was like, who is this girl? Like, she has got all these amazing pictures with all these incredible people. And first of all, her wedding dress was just to die for. So I was just roped in by the wedding dress, which I talk about the story <laughs> in the podcast. But I have to tell you that I had no idea what she did for a living because she was so kind and so freaking awesome and so interested in what I was doing that I was like, who is this chick? Okay, well, let's share. Let's just talk. So my guest today is Hannah Lux Davis. She is an award-winning American filmmaker, best known for her acute attention to detail, striking imagery, and iconic vision. The industry's top artists consistently trust Davis to helm boundary-pushing music videos that garner billions of views around the globe. With experience in design, directing, and editing, she uniquely curates every detail on her projects from start to finish, ultimately establishing her as one of today's most in-demand creators. So Davis hit her stride in 2013 leading the charge on a gritty, provocative music video for Lil Wayne, featuring Drake and Future. She was the first ever female director to spearhead a Lil Wayne shoot. She has since honed working relationships with the likes of Ariana Grande, who she works with all of the time, Demi Lovato, Halsey, just recently worked on the latest Halsey video and created that, Miley Cyrus, just to name a few. You guys, I have two pages 
of accolades in front of me right now with some of the top names in the industry who go to her and trust her with creative direction on their music videos and producing them. This woman is brilliant. She is willing to take risks. She is so smart and you will learn exactly how she's become so successful is not only because of her beautiful creativity, but her mindset, how she treats people, what she believes, how she lives. This could not have been a long enough conversation for me. I wanted about four more days with her. So you guys, let's get started. I just want to say I'm so excited to have you on the show. This is so exciting because I got to sit and get to know you at an awesome lunch uh, that Jacqueline Johnson had for Create and Cultivate or she was doing some different projects. And I was so excited to see you there because it was like a friendly face that I had known from Instagram. I was like, please, Lord, sit by me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's know, talk. We both, we both went into that kind of like, I wonder if we're going to know anybody here. And then I saw you. <laughs> I was like, don't leave my side. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny how like you can be out in the world doing like all the things, but you get into a space where you don't know people. And it's, yeah. it's that still that awkward. Oh my God, are people going to like me? What do I talk about? How do I be interesting? Who are these people? Please help me. So yeah, tell just like everybody else's friends. And then you're like, yes, person out. Yeah. So what do you do when you walk into those situations? Like what's the mental thing that's going on in your head, like on the drive down? Are you just like, well, I'm just going to see like what magic unfolds. Are you like, Oh God, what am yeah, I doing? I mean, that one in particular, like, I guess for most events like that, I usually don't go alone. I guess yeah. it's like, not like the best you know, I don't know if that's bad or good advice to like, you know, be independent or whatever. But like, um, I usually, <laughs> like, I think as I, I, only in recent years have I been like, okay, I have confidence. I feel good about like what I bring to the table. I feel like I know, you know, like I just, I feel like confident in myself or I, right. I, you know, I've established myself in this and this and this and whatever. And that if I, and I open up like any sort of conversation, I feel like, then um, just start any conversation. And, and I just feel like I just kind of remain open. Yeah. And really, I want to go into those situations curious and like talking to people and like getting to know who these people are. But really, it's, it just depends on... You can get a good feel for a sense of person like pretty much right away. And, yeah. and I think that to really... You kind of have to just like trust your gut and go with like the first, I think the first couple instincts of just like interactions with somebody and you can be like, okay, is this somebody I want to continue talking to at this event or do I want to like kind of move on and like see yeah. who else there is. And I think that, um, you know, you can tell right away also who kind of has like a clicky vibe mm. and I think at those types of events, especially you can tell. And I think that, um, you were somebody who was just so warm and open. Mm. And I was just so excited <laughs> to be talking with you and sitting with you at that event. So yeah, I think it's just about like knowing that you are you're like worthy and you bring mm. something to the table and just, you know, having fun for yourself and trying something mm. new for yourself. Oh, I love that because uh, honestly, I was kind of like in that same space. I'm like, you know what? No matter what, it does like there's nothing like weighing on this particular thing. Like, you know, putting a lot of pressure maybe on something to want to meet someone or connect. Like I was like, I'm just going to go and see what magic unfolds. And there you go. Yeah. Now we have a podcast. You were the and magic there, that unfolded really for me. Magic. There was yeah. that, there was the girl who was like doing the crystal reading. Yes. Like, there really was the magic. There really, really 
really was magic there. So yeah. I went home with a great crystal and a friend. So it's awesome. And yeah. some cute, some cute clothes too, actually. Yeah, that was super I wear fun. my sports bra all the time. Uh, so do I. That's really yeah. fun. Yeah. Super comfortable. Yeah. You got an awesome kick-ass sports bra out of it. Sure does. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you um, like a, a few rapid fire questions. So um, uh, you're recently married. Yes. Like how long ago? We got married September 4th, 2018. Okay. How'd you guys meet? We met working together eight years ago. Oh, wow. Awesome. He was producing a video and I was doing, I was directing that one, but we met a few years earlier than that, but we really met, you know, eight years ago. So was it like right away, like, oh, who is this guy? Or were you kind of like, I am, I am working. Get away. No, it was right away. <laughs> like I got into his car for a director's scout and I sat in the back seat because there was somebody in the front seat. And I sat in the back seat and I looked over at him and we like exchanged a look. <laughs> I honestly I knew like right away. Like I knew right away. But the first instinct was, or my first like thing that came over me was, where has this guy been? Like we should did we should have been best friends our whole lives. Like, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought like right away, like was like best friend. And then we got to know each other and I'm like, oh, you're going to break up with that girlfriend you live with. And I'm going to be in your new- <laughs> <laughs> going to be together forever. <laughs> that's so funny. That was kind of like with my husband, I wasn't thinking of him as a husband at all. I was just like, this guy is such, he's like such an amazing friend. I'm pretty sure I friend zoned him, but he was just always there. And I ended up falling in love with him afterwards. So yeah, it's kind of, which is so cool, isn't it? To like be yeah. married to your best friend. Okay. Yeah. So why you guys got married in Paris, right? Yeah, we got married. Okay. So why there? We... We were, okay, well, we took like a trip for a work trip and we had a layover in Paris. We were in Morocco doing a project and then we had a layover in Paris and we ended up just having like the most perfect day walking mm. around Paris. It was in May of 2017 and it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. We walked like 14 miles. We went shopping, we ate good food. It was just like the best. And we were walking around and I hadn't been there since I was in like eighth grade. We were walking around and I was like, God, this city is so beautiful. And there really is just so much magic in the city mm. and love. And like, it's just like a, such a stunning place. It literally took my breath away. I think I got mm. like teary eyed. And so we weren't even engaged at this point, but I, um, we'd always been like, you know, talking about like, oh, wedding, marriage, blah, blah. And um, we ended up getting engaged um, in Tulum a couple months later. And we were starting to plan a wedding in LA. And we were like looking at venues and the style of venues we were looking for were very like Parisian and just like, you know, that sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we were talking about like the wedding guest list and the costs and everything. And we were like, we should do a destination wedding. Hmm. Fuck it. We should just do a destination wedding. <laughs> and then, um, so we ended up going to Paris and, um, finding a venue there and deciding that that was the spot. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed looking at all of your wedding pictures, especially your dress. So, um, you guys, it's, it's worth just going to her Instagram to go and like, just fantasize about, I feel like I'm looking at the knot or something like a, a wedding site. And like, this is so yeah, much fun. It was kind of a dream dress. It was a one-of-a-kind Galia Lahav. And if you've tried on wedding dresses, you know that like Galia Lahav is like top tier. Mm. And it's like it I try what happened, funny story about the dress is I it was like in January and I was like definitely a few pounds heavier because of all the 
holidays, blah, blah. So I was trying on dresses in January and mm-hmm. I ended up buying the second dress I tried on yeah. at the first place I went to at Gali Lahav. And I was like, there's nothing better than this. I'm going to buy this dress. So I ended up buying this dress. And then like a month went by and I was kind of freaking out. I was like, did I really just buy the first dress? Like what? <laughs> and I, I literally freaked out. It was kind of like, like literally I had like a panic attack about it. I spent so much money on it. I was like, why did I just do that? I knew I loved it, but I just wasn't like sure. And so then I ended up going to like 10 different wedding places or wedding dress places. And I tried on probably 10 dresses at each place. Yeah. And in that process, I was able to determine like what it was I liked and didn't like about all sorts of wedding dresses. Like, oh, I need like white, white, white. Oh, I need like a high cinched waist. Mm. That's going to make me look like more cinched in. And I need like, I needed like a big poof and just like all the things, right? (laughs) And it took me a long time to like figure out, you know, what it was that made me feel like a bride. You know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. and I just felt that this first dress I bought was a little princessy, a little too young, but it was like stunning. And I can tell it was quality and it like putting it on, like, and like feeling the way it felt on my body. I was like, this is really, really good quality. So I knew I like had got a great dress, but then I ended up going back to the Galil Hav place. And I was like, listen, I just tried on a million dresses. I know I already bought this dress, but can I use this as like credit for like something at your place. Like we hadn't put in the order yet. And it was just kind of like holding like this big chunk of money. Yeah. So I was able to redesign a wedding dress using like pieces and like some sort of like structures of a couple dresses in the shop. And I ended up making this like one of a kind dress that mm. was really based off the very first dress I tried on. But I was able to add like all this different fabric and this 25 foot train and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So, I love that because it's like, why? Okay, so I love that whole story because so many people would be like, well, I bought the dress. They don't go back and ask. They don't get exactly what they want. And then they live with that regret. And it just goes into their other, you know, massive uh, box of regrets in their life. Oh, and and wedding regrets are the worst. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, at least it's not around the guy. So we're really good there. As long as it's not around the the person you're marrying, you're really good. The dress itself was... And it was funny because I ended up, I went big on the dress, like money wise, everything big. And it was, wasn't until I got up at like the top of the stairs where I was like saying, I do, I looked down and we had a very, very small wedding. It was like, six mm. people. and I looked down and I'm like, I wish there was more people here to look at my dress. <laughs> at that moment, I'm like, I wish we got married with more people. So, well, I will tell you that I am, I'm getting to enjoy it like after the fact. So there you go. They may not have been present in the moment, but they are, we're all like drooling yes, over it. Yes. It is literally worth seeing. It's stunning. It's like wedding magazine stunning. So Thanks. thoroughly enjoyed watching, looking, Thank seeing. You. So, okay. So what's a ritual that you guys, that you think has brought you guys closer together that you um, use in order to like either connect deeper or get through, you know, fights easier. Like what is something that you think has made you guys successful in your relationship? Um, especially working together. Yeah. Working together. I mean, we fight a lot, like, but just like small fights, big fights. They're kind of small fights. I'm kind of Mm -hmm. everything. (laughs) And he is on time and early to everything. And so usually our fights are about like when we leave the house, and I'm like, not ready yet. 
Yeah. Like that's really what they come down to. Well, we actually don't, I guess we don't fight that much. But so good. We're both, mm-hmm. it, maybe because I'm like in this like chill state right now of like in between like doing all these crazy jobs and just like living life and relaxing a bit. I, I think when this, when the pressure is high and we're both really stressed out, I think I can get just really snappy and I project maybe something that's going on with me on the mm. But he's like so psychoanalyzing everything. He like took psychology in college and now he thinks he's like a, a full-on like therapist <laughs> and can like psychoanalyze everybody. So he's actually pretty sensitive <laughs> and good with me when mm. I get like crazy. So Oh, that's so good. I that's a good like, balance. Yeah, it's a good balance. He's very like A-type and I'm just not. But he... I don't know. I guess something that we do to like kind of like chill us both out is we both just like, I don't know. He doesn't get like, because if, if I was with somebody who was kind of like me, Mm -hmm. I think the fights would be just like, there would be no end to them, but he kind of just like diffuses it right away. Mm. But you you have to be open for that. Right. I mean, so when he goes to diffuse it, are you like, Oh, I can see how, you know, I don't want to carry this on or cause there must be a willingness that you're like, Oh, I, I don't want to continue this either. I guess I don't really hold grudges anymore. Yeah. I honestly think like that I have just mellowed out a lot. And if I held grudges, it would just get in the way and it would just slow things down. And I just, I feel like neither of us have time for that. We're both kind of like, yes. we're too oh my God, yes. to be in this fight. This is so this is a conversation I love having. I talk about it all the time because it's kind of like I think when you really get into your purpose and when you do get really busy, like you just don't have time for the small petty stuff anymore, whether it's in your relationship or whether it's in your friendships or whether it's online. I'm like, I just don't even have the energy for that. Like I can't even like look at it. Even that, like I don't have time for the energy for something. It's like even like going to an event where you don't know somebody, I don't have the energy to like feel too stressed out about it. Exactly. Like enjoy whatever I can. I'm going to eat the food, drink the drink, whatever, whatever, do the thing. And like, and be, and just enjoy whatever I can because I don't have time to like be miserable. Yeah. No. Cause you're so, you're so busy in doing what you do that. It's like, that's where all of your energy is going. So let's chat about that a little bit because I love getting into the brains of creative people, especially, I think I just heard you say that you are not type A, but you have to direct a lot of very large people and potentially egos. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Like how do you, so how do you function Okay. First of all, why don't we, if you can just break down kind of uh, what you do and how you got into it quick so that everybody can, can hear. Yeah, for sure. I'm a director of music videos, commercials, films, documentary, branded content. And I have been living in Los Angeles for about 15 years now from Seattle, Bellevue, Washington. And um, you may have seen some of my work. Uh, Most likely. <laughs> with um, Ariana Grande. I directed her Thank You Next video. Seven Rings, uh, Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored, Breathe In, Side to Side, Bang Bang, just to name a couple with her. And then I also did a documentary with Demi Lovato um, called Simply Complicated. And that was through YouTube. And I did an ESPN Plus series with soccer player Mm -hmm. Alex Morgan, the World Cup um, champion. Mm -hmm. And um, I did some work with Kylie Jenner for her skincare line. I am just kind of, you know, I guess a content creator, but um, very much a director and editor at heart. And I am looking into directing 
features and I've been reading a ton of scripts and just really trying to get into that next thing and do some mm. narrative. And I have a couple of projects that I'm developing and I am living in Sherman Oaks, California. <laughs> I have a cat named Kevin and a dog named Rex. Kevin! What's the, do- what's the dog's name? My dog's name is Rexy. Kevin and Rexy. I oh my God. I'm are. just a little obsessed with the name Kevin though. Like, yeah. And it's for a, girl. a cat. Kevin is a girl. <laughs> Kevin is a girl. Yeah. That is amazing. So what, so within that, before we go back to the other question, what feels fun for you right now? And what doesn't feel fun? Like what feels heavier for you? What feels fun is learning how to cook. Ooh, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, what are you loving to cook? I am taking cooking lessons. Um, I have this friend of mine who I met um, and I met her through uh Demi Lovato, actually, she is a uh, private chef and like mm. a celebrity chef, and she teaches like paleo principles, so like no oh, cool. sugar, all that sort of thing, no dairy. Um, and just because I feel like that's, I'm not like trying to be like super one thing or the other, but it is actually really, it makes me feel good eating like that. So yeah, I, I like to do it. That doesn't mean I won't have like pizza or whatever, or, like actual real sugar every now and then, but. I, you know, if I can choose to eat healthier, I might as well learn those while cooking. So, um, especially if you can make it good. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's, everything is so good. And it's so like, it feels like I'm like learning how to make comfort food, which I love. Oh, heck yes. So I'm not like trying to, I'm not like, I'm not like totally crazy where I'm just eating like protein and kale and spinach and just that, you know, I'm very much loving cooking and eating and, you know, enjoying that whole process of like having snacks in the house as like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's comforting. Um, yes. So I'm loving that. Like that's something that makes me really happy right now is learning how to cook. Um, we're hosting Christmas this year for the first time. So Fun. to be able to like be a good host and like that sort of thing. But what's feeling heavy? Well, you know, that phase when you are, you've done all these things and you feel really confident in one area and then you know to you have to transition into something else. Yes. That is feeling heavy. Like for me, yes, I very am established in music videos. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, a lot under my belt. I've directed hundreds of music videos at this point. And um, but this transition into narrative and like feature length, that's something that's kind of feeling heavy. Like, ooh, mm. I really need to get started. Like I really need to take this seriously and like I really got to like study up and do the work. And what I mean by do the work is reading scripts is work. You know what I mean? Mm. And seeing if you can understand story, seeing if you can, you know, visualize it and just really brushing up on just like, you know, directing actors and and just kind of getting myself ready for when those opportunities come up. So Mm. it doesn't necessarily feel heavy. It just feels like I see what's next and I know that, music videos is like a whole different world mm-hmm. really starting a new different world. And like, it's a mm-hmm. new group of people. It's a new language. So yeah, it's, it's a different, it's a transition. Mm. Oh, I love this. So what is, what are some of the thoughts? So I, I know you said it doesn't necessarily feel heavy, but maybe it feels like a little, maybe a little intimidating or just unsure, right? Like territory, you're just not sure of like, will I, uh, what's the narrative like with that you're hearing a little bit of, is it like, will I be as good at this or am I as creative in this arena or, um, but you know, one thing I want to say is I'm sure all those things came up in the beginning of music videos as well. And you totally, dealt with them yeah. too. So what's that narrative and how are you, how are you creating some like empowering thoughts around it? 
Well, I am definitely educating myself. And I think knowing that I am ready to do it and just Mm -hmm. being confident and you know, and taking all these past experiences I've had. And you brought something up earlier about how like I have to deal with lots of egos and personalities. And that's definitely something I've had to work um, with my career. Cause it's not just necessarily these artists who have like a lot going on and they can be like, you know, they're not necessarily, I wouldn't call them egos, but it's like, there's a lot that goes with just that one person. It's not just... Yeah it's not just the artists you're getting, it's their manager, it's their stylist, it's their makeup artist. It's all these people who come in to come into a project and, um, you know, they kind of like want to be heard and mm. how do I navigate that and make sure it's like, you know, I'm being able to articulate my vision in a way that feels like it's collaborative, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm making music videos for these artists. Yes. Not necessarily like, Oh, it's me. It's like, no, it's these artists and I'm an extension of them. So how do you sort of balance that? And I think over the years working with the types of people I have and the collaborations I've had with, um, you know, artists on like each other's tracks, like bang, for example, this recent Charlie's angels music video I just did, um, with, you know, Ariana Grande, Lana Del Rey and Miley Cyrus. Like that's obviously a big, you know, complicated and tricky sort of puzzle to put together with all those people and making sure all those teams are happy. So and making sure that, you know, all parties involved are happy. And I think on that project was something we shot that in July. And that was a project I did where I really felt like, okay, everything I've done leading up to this project has prepared me for this video. Wow. Mm-hmm. And not just for like the directing part, because yes, directing is part of the gig and that is the gig, but right. all this other behind the scenes, like how you navigate, you know, the politics of everything. And mm-hmm. so um, I felt very prepared in that sense for that project. And while I was on set, I was like, really zen and like calm and like where you know I think maybe a couple of years ago it would have been a different experience on that project I probably would have been I don't know if I, I maybe I would have been able to handle it but I just felt like it was I was very ready for that project mm. so what I'm trying to say here is that I'm able to kind of call back to those experiences and be like you know what I've put in the work. I know how to handle these types of situations. And it really is. It's, it's hard to describe these types of situations unless you've really been on set. Right. These things. But just know that there's a lot of politics, making sure everybody's happy and feeling seen, feeling heard, that sort of thing. So how, can you, can you um, give a little bit of context around it? Like, um, obviously you don't have to say anyone, but is there things that are like, um, you know, th- what, what is it that you are responding to instead of potentially reacting? So is it, you know, people come at you and maybe you could take something personal that you would have taken in the past or you yeah. would have been upset or backlash. Yeah. Like, like what are some of the things that you found, like the traits that you embodied, um, that really, really help you in those moments of high stress of feeling like people aren't happy. Cause honestly, I feel like what you just explained is like business and working with a team at all. Yeah. So, um, especially when it's creative like that, right? Like you everybody like wants to time. Yes. Yeah. And on set, you have like a ticking clock of like, yes, so many hours, the sun's going down, <laughs> you know, everything is against you really. Yeah. You always need more time than you have, but that's a great question. I feel like I, I, you really get good at listening and you mm. really like what, and, and just sort of like making sure people feel heard and seen. Mm. And I think that just comes with like 
having a thick skin and being able to feel confident in expressing my own opinion on something, but then making sure they feel like they're being heard mm. and that I'm allowing them to be themselves. Because so do you actually say out loud, like, I, you know, I totally value your input, but here's why based off something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of like, how do you word something in a way to where they feel heard and seen, but mm-hmm. then also explain like maybe why something can't happen. And here's what we can do instead. And mm-hmm. just kind of making sure everything is positive. The last thing somebody wants to work with is somebody who's like, Oh no, we can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. like you always have to be willing and to like, sort of like, problem solved. And I think that, um, and, and like also uh, problem solving isn't just coming from me. It's like, it has to, I have to put, have a really great team around me. Yeah. And so I'm, I think now with experience, I'm able to like find and like, or like have a better understanding of what it is that I need to do my job the best I can. And that's also, and that's, that comes down to who, who am I going to surround myself with? Mm. Like, they be? What type of, what type of, um, energy do they need to have to, in order to make the client feel good and for, to make me feel good. And mm. there's certain people that I call on for certain things. And, um, and I think that just comes from experience with you know being in a situation with that person or just knowing what I, like how busy am I to where like I need somebody that I can like look to and be like, I need you to cover for me for a second. I have to do some VFX notes in the trailer. So just like cover for me. I, I'll be right back. He's got his eyes on the set while something's being set up and um, I'm able to like do my thing. So it's kind of like a a balancing game, just all sorts of things. Mm. How do you not get stuck in things that potentially feel like they're going wrong and like starting to spiral into the negative? And like when you go home at night, let's say you have another day or two left and you have to like reset, like you just have to let go. I think of this all the time, like watching football. I'm like, you can't be a good football player if you let the last like you know, the last play get in your head. You have to just like move on like it never happened. So how do you move on and keep it really positive? Because you kind of are the heartbeat of what's going on. And I'm guessing that's why you keep getting asked back to do these massive projects is because it probably feels good. So, So what do you do to like let go, move on, reset, stay positive? Yeah, that's a great question. It's so funny that he brought up football and like bringing up the last play. <laughs> I play on a softball team. Oh, awesome. And, yeah, like, like a um, co-ed softball team. It's slow pitch. So it's very foreign to me because I grew up playing fast pitch. <clears throat> and I used to play catcher and like in slow pitch, that position doesn't exist anymore. But mm. yesterday we had a game and I, I kept striking out because the pitch was so high <laughs> I, and, and I hadn't struck out since like the very first game a couple years ago. And I was just like, and I was like, that's it. If I strike out one more time, I'm walking off the field. I didn't come here to be bad at something. It's like, it's like co-ed fun softball. And I'm like, right, and you're pissed. And I was pissed. I'm like, I just want to have fun right now. So for that, uh, I t- did not handle myself well. Um, but with work, <laughs> um, I think it, like, I think every, and I say this all the time, like with my husband and like people I work with, I'm like, man, every job I do, I learn some crazy lesson, like some huge lesson, like, and it's usually about communication, like mm. communicate this correctly, or I didn't communicate this clearly, or I really should have taken more time to communicate this thing. And like, here's the perfect example. I was doing the Ariana Grande thank you next fragrance commercial, which is out. And I 
um, Colleen is Colleen Ballinger. She was the girl who, um, she's like a big YouTube girl. She's like, you know, really awesome and a great actress. And she's Miranda Sings, if you know who that is. Um, she, um, she was in the music video and she was pregnant, like for mm-hmm. real, her baby. And, um, she was in the video and she was like, you know, such a funny character. And so we brought her back for the Thank You Next Fragrance commercial as kind of like a through line with like some comedy. Mm-hmm. And instead of her being pregnant, we had like a fake baby because she obviously already had her baby. Mm-hmm. And we had a fake baby for her to wear in like the baby Bjorn situation. And we had a fake baby. And I didn't think about what was the baby going to wear. Like mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I'm like, it's going to be covered in the baby Bjorn. And I just had the stylist grab some baby clothes. But for I didn't check up on what's the baby's head look like. Is it going to look fake? Do we need to make sure we have a hat? Like, you know, like one of those, like a little hat. Yeah. And um, we didn't have a hat. So we had to put like, like a regular beanie on top of the baby's <laughs> head. And it just didn't look right. And I, I'm like cooking myself because I'm like, how did I not? And I'm like a very overprepared. I prep really hard, meaning I like put style guides together, mood boards. I ever, I, I pride myself on being really prepared for shooting. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those things where I really dropped the ball and I didn't make sure I, I didn't see the baby mm-hmm. and, and the outfit and to check, you know, to make sure I was covered. So it's like small as that detail is, it, it really is. It's really, it's the details that make up. Mm. And I think that, it just like communication is really those big learning lessons and, and I'll never, you know, make that mistake again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, next time I have a fake baby, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's situations like, and I think at the beginning of my career, they were obviously a much bigger, uh, things that w- would happen, like how I would communicate with a stylist, mm. um, you know, and how I sort of wouldn't stand my ground you know, to make sure I was at the fitting or, um, you know, make sure the fitting happened prior to the shoot. And there's some situations where you have no control. Like Mm -hmm. for example, Ariana Grande is like the busiest woman on the planet. So she needs to do her fitting the day of the shoot before she's in the outfit. Then we all know like, that's what it's going to be. And there are definitely a lot of artists that are the, you know, talent is the exception to some of these rules I have in place, you know, knowing myself now, but it's just really about like, knowing what I need to do my job. And I think it's really every single video or project. There's like some lesson that I'm like, Oh, okay. I need to like check this or make sure I really communicate what I needed here. And, and yeah, it just as like an example. So yeah. Do you not care if you show up as like over communicating? Is that something that you, cause e- even with communication with my team, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm just double checking because I am totally learning always how to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you err on the side of over communication and just not worrying what people think if you're like helicoptering them? Like even oh, if yeah, it's yeah. from a loving place. That's a really great question because it, I, you kind of just have to, at the, at the end of the day, I, I have to cover myself and it's, and they know that, you know what yeah. I mean? I think they'd mm-hmm. rather have a director or like a boss or somebody, you know, sort of guiding the ship who is like looking out for the big picture. Right. Because you know I mean? there's so many parts of the puzzle and like pieces and like players on, on this big team that is a film set and everybody is sort of relying on the director to make, 
to oversee it all because mm-hmm. the only person, maybe the producer and maybe the first AD is, are the ones that are overseeing it all. So I think, you know, I'm, I mean, thank God for texting and like group texting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, whenever we do a project, there's like an art group text, there's a styling glam group text, there's a production group text. And, um, it's really efficient just to make sure we're all on the same page mm-hmm. and dropping in references or whatever it may be. And, um, yeah, you really can't, you really can't, um, like, get in your own way and think that, Oh, am I being annoying or Uh, am I being too pushy? Because I just, there's no time for that. Again, you, it has to be right. It has to be, has to be good work. And I just wouldn't worry about that. Okay. So that's such a great question. Cause I think that's one of the biggest things I hear, especially from women is like, they worry about after they've kind of like flexed their, you know, either, position if if they are in a position where they do have to direct or lead or have you know power of the company or whatever it is and it's like the questioning the yeah. constant questioning of it's getting in your head so how do you stay focused on something when there is a lot of pressure when you know you are putting out videos that you know it's not just like well you know maybe my grandma's going to watch it it's like everybody's watching yeah. So how do you, right. So how do you get around any pressure that you put on yourself to just stay in a place that is going to create something awesome and fun and keep people in a good place? Yeah. I think, you know, I take my job very seriously. I, and I understand that what I do, like I said earlier, is very much an extension of these massive artists. Yeah. And, um, and I take, you know, these moments and these budgets and, you know, very seriously. And something that Ariana would always say, like, if I was ever, you know, not really pushing back, because I would never really push back per se. But if, if we're like talking about some shot and she's unsure if she likes it, she'll look to me and be like, it's my face on there. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't, like, if I don't feel good about it, I'm not going to do it. And like, like the way she looks in a shot or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's a way you can communicate that is productive and is positive. And I think that I like to work with people who I, you know, respect. And Mm. so I think right away, just sort of, um, laying it out that like, you want to empower the people you're working with. Cause the last thing I want to do is work with somebody who's a yes person. Who's not going to bring anything to the table. Yeah. So I think right away, if you're in a situation like that, it's like, like I like to open it up with like, I want to be really collaborative and I want to empower you to make decisions. Obviously I want to see everything. <laughs> and like, I want to like approve it, but I empower you to bring, you know, bring your all to the table and bring me something that I maybe would not have thought of. And I like to just be very collaborative, like in all, mm. in all aspects, because, you know, obviously on set, you know, there are times when I just have to put my foot down and be like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do everybody needs to be quiet because we'll be in crunch time. And like people know when that is. And if you've been on a set, it's like a very, you know, there's, there's a crunch time a lot. And I think that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there'll be times when I'm on set and I'll yell, I don't care who you are on this set. Everybody (laughs) be quiet. Like, you know, there's times when you have to do that too. And I think that you just have to know when those moments are and you just have to be, um, like, I'm not like a dictator director. I like to be, you know, uh, I, I like everybody to have a good time and feel like they're a part of something special. And um, so I think if you lay that, if you lay that groundwork of the type of director you are, the type of boss you are, 
And um, then you won't be running into issues of people, you know, just sort of kind of not Mm -hmm. listening. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm loving this. So there's so many points that you just said that I can... I can see to even be more clear on in my life. So right away, even starting off with like, probably when you connect with your team in the beginning, like here's, here's what I'm really looking for. Here's what I love. Here's how we can set these ground rules. Like here's, you know, when it's crunch time, here's what it's going to feel like and look like. And yeah, no, I love you. And we're going to keep this positive, but we're also getting this done. Like this is serious business while it's, yeah, that's so just even stating it. I think that we forget to state it and we just make all of these assumptions, you know, that people will just understand or whatever that is. Yeah. And going into it. In my job, we have like a tech scout and a tech scout is really where you go and look at the location. All the heads of the department are there. So we'll go and we'll like be like, okay, this is where we're going to shoot this scene. This is what's going to happen. This is who's in it. This is what I want it to look and feel like. This is what I want the lighting to be like. And, you know, usually we go and there's like a treatment. There's like a whole plan of like what it is we're shooting Mm -hmm. and everybody's read that and understands that before we get there. And then from there, I like, I say what I want right away. And I'm like, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want to do. This is the goal here. And then I kind of open it up. I'm like, all right, so what can we do? How can we make this great? Let's work together here. Because you really are, you want to lean into the people that you hire um, to like do their do their best work. Mm-hmm. And I would just be getting in my own way if I didn't allow that. Yeah, I love that. So um, how do you know when you're working with, you know, different team members who you empower to bring you great ideas, but maybe have they gone through phases where they're not bringing you great ideas and you just kind of... You know, when do you know you're working with the right people and when you're like, okay, this is just not, it's just not a fit for me? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of what we do in this industry specifically is we work with a lot of different types of people in all different positions. Mm-hmm. And um, I think something that I, um, you know, I want to make sure I'm working with somebody who's positive and also is like going to really bring their all to whatever that project is. Like mm-hmm. if, for example, I was shooting something in New York a couple years ago and the DP, it was a uh, girl DP, this female DP, which is like, it is very rare to find a female DP, um, cinematographer. And okay. she, her name is K.R. Mendy, And she was a DP that I'd been wanting to work with for so long. And she's really hard to book because she's always booked up. And, um, and she just really put like, everything into this project Mm -hmm. and in a way that i mean most people do but this one in particular it was in new york and so it was a very ambitious one day shoot and we just had like a full like couple days of meeting like very intense meetings going and you know going through all the different you know setups and lighting ideas and 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 coverage and this and that and and she was just so committed to make it amazing Mm -hmm. and you can just feel when somebody just gives their all and is like bringing references to the table and just like really with you, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and, and what I mean by that is just, you just feel like they have your back and they want to know as much as they can about what you're thinking. So right. again, be an extension of you. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like be an extension of me, the director. And, um, and so, yeah, I think if, you know, if somebody, you know, is kind of being lazy or they, or they treat their crew in a way that it's just like, not the best vibe on set. Like that's something that's a huge thing for what I do. Mm. For example, there's, 
a DP who probably is not going to be listening to this podcast. So I can say (laughs) he was not, he did not have a good attitude in front of the artist Mm -hmm. and it was really bringing that artist down. Mm -hmm. And she was not happy with his attitude talking the way he talked to the other crew members, the way he directed some of the background talent, Mm -hmm. like if they were in his way, which he has no business really talking to them. And he was just, kind of just had a shit attitude. Mm. And um, so I can't work with that person again because I can't look to my cinematographer who is literally like the extension of me. It's like me, the cinematographer and the first AD. And the first AD, for those who don't know, is somebody who runs the set and makes the mm. schedule. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're the ones kind of like planning the day. So it's mm-hmm. me, the director, the cinematographer, who's like, you know, operating the camera or, you know, lighting and just sort of doing all that technical side. And then the first AD. And if that, if I look to my cinematographer and he's just got a defeated look on his face or just like, he's just not with me and like, is not like up on his feet or her feet, like ready to go. Like, I just can't work with that person because yeah. I am already dealing with a lot. Like I have the artist that I have to like take care of. And the last thing I need is to take care of a crew member. So, so how do you, so when you're like vetting for next time, cause I'm sure you work with new people all the time, potentially as well in that. Um, yeah. so do you ever, when you're connecting with people or when you're setting up what you want to do, do you ever lead with like connection emails on that? Or like when you meet in person, like, Hey, this is really important to me. Or, yeah. you know, do you communicate what the overall like um, feeling and vibe and how you like really lead with a positive because you are like everything that you've said positive like being positive and working really hard is like your top you know thing that's important to you to surround that artist with and surround yourself with so how yeah. do you get that across to someone else who's also maybe your equal or even maybe above you at times like this is really important to me that's a really really great question it's something that I'm actually still navigating the best of them yeah. for because it is hard to, un- to know what that person's going to do until you're in those situations. That's true. You're not mm-hmm. really going to know if that DP has a lot of stamina until like, you know, after lunch, are they gonna, like, <laughs> still have the same attitude they did? In the first yeah. morning? You know, and I think that's sort of just a risk we have to like, that we're sort of forced into taking sometimes. But, um, I think now I, I go in with the, because I have worked with the artists that I've worked with, I'm able to go in and be like, Hey, so just to let you know, in the past, I've had a bad experience in this department, mm. not like the cinematographer department, but in the department of uh, what I'm about to describe, which is, you know, I work with these artists who really soak in all the energy that's around that camera. Mm. And if I work with somebody who doesn't bring a good energy to that scene and to that set, like that's not going to work for me. And that's mm-hmm. not going to work for us working together. Yeah. So I kind of lay it out like that. But really it's like, there was a job I did recently and I won't say what it was or whatever, but like, I thought I was going into something with a, you know, a really nice person who was going to be like gung ho and like super amped. And then on set, they were just very, very mellow and didn't have much of an energy at all. Not a bad energy, not a good energy. Just like I wasn't getting anything. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And like as great as the work was, I don't know if I'd hire them again because mm. I want to find somebody that I can like vibe off of and get excited with when yeah. they're excited. I want to know that they're excited about what we're shooting. Mm-hmm. And I think unfortunately, 
it's and, and specifically for what I do, which is all these short term, like quick projects. Yeah. I don't know if I'm shooting next week sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we really got to like go through a list who's available, who, who has a reel that's going to, you know, make sure this looks great. And that's kind of like the first thing we look for, obviously. And then it's like, okay, who's available. Can they work with our rate? Can they work with this budget? There's a whole like back and forth with the agents. And um, and then you kind of have that first phone call maybe. And then you meet them at the tech scout sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know until you get on set what the vibe is going to be. But I can tell you that if I was doing a you know, a feature length or something of, you know, a multiple day shoot, I think, you know, I would definitely for a feature, I would have meetings with them prior to hiring them. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, hopefully have shot something short form with them before. But it's you, it's it really is a gamble. I think you can also like maybe get on the phone with somebody they've worked with before, whether it's like a producer or another director, see what the vibe is. But it really is just like you know hoping, yeah, <laughs> that they'll be cool. <laughs> and you know, I love that you point that out because it it just reminds me and everybody who works with other teams, like because a lot of stuff that I do is super collaborative as well, and in the past especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always comes down. There's always going to be a moment where people. It's going to come down to a deal breaker of how you show up and how your energy is because you being the best X, Y, and Z actually isn't going to be the thing that's going to end up booking you if there's another Because there's a million people who are good at this. Exactly. There's a million DPs who are great. And I think there's a million art department, there's a million stylists and it's it's going to be, how do you show up? Exactly. How do you show up? Are you a nice person? Do you respect me? A lot Mm -hmm. of times I'll work with somebody who I I don't think this person respects me. And And, you know, I kind of just have to like suffer through the job with that person. And then, you know, it's, and at the end of the day, like people don't, uh, they'll remember you for your person, like what you bring to the table and what your energy is like. And if you're a nice person, because there Mm -hmm. is so much good work that you kind of like, there'll be projects I've done. I'm like, oh yeah, who shot that? And like, I don't really remember Mm -hmm. because they maybe didn't leave an impact, but yeah. What do you wish more people would ask you maybe more people who want to either emulate a career like you or live a life like you, like what is something you wish more people would ask you? Well, directing is actually a very lonely position because mm-hmm. it, it's not something you can necessarily be on set for and witness other people do mm. and is because I know this because I, um, I did, I used to do makeup on set. Mm. I, you know, I went to school for directing and editing and, I realized that being a PA on set was not going to be a great path to like really get in there because I didn't like being a PA a production assistant because mm-hmm. I really didn't know like what my job was going to be. Your job was not necessarily going to be on the set in the action. Maybe you were doing runs all day. Yeah. Water. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. what the job's going to be. And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to really learn and just kind of like soak up what it's like to be on a set being a PA. And I, and I knew that. And it was, um, I don't know, as much as like, we want to be like, oh yeah, girl power. Like, no, being a girl PA kind of sucks. <laughs> mm. It's like, you have to deal with all these like crewmen and they're like grips and electricians and they're like bigger, older men. And it's, I don't know. I just, you kind of just have to play like, oh, no, hi. And they always smile. And I don't know. Like, I just knew that wasn't like a path right. that I was going to get taken seriously. So I ended up going to makeup school and I went to um, the cinema makeup school, which was in like Koreatown, LA. And um, 
it was like a six month long program to do special effects, makeup, beauty, makeup, character, makeup, like cuts and bruises and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get, um, you know, confident in doing makeup. And then I ended up working as a makeup artist on set. Mm. So it was, it was really that route that allowed me to be on set in the action, you know, talking to the directors, seeing the talent, meeting people, and just really kind of immersing myself in that film experience. And I think what a lot of people don't know is that to see what a director does is really, it's hard to like have an idea of what other directors do. Like I'm telling you what I do, like where right. my systems are roughly um, in the short amount of time. But, um, you know, I, I don't know what other directors are doing. And I think people often like assume that we all maybe do the same thing or, and sometimes we do, but it's really hard to like learn how to be a director. Yeah. Unless you're like shadowing or asking or have yeah, a mentor a or something. Exactly. And that's yeah. a really hard position to have to mm-hmm. like find somebody who's going to shadow or you're allowed to shadow or like have mentors like that. It's a really tough thing to like have somebody do that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. as simple as it, the concept is, Oh, find somebody and shadow them. It, it's a, it's trickier than that. It's like, it's a lot of like, like I, you know, I've, I've had assistants in the past who've wanted to be directors and they've gotten a great education being my assistant. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. and that's, a, and that's a way to go, but yeah, I don't know. A director is a very lonely position because you're often wondering, oh, what is that director doing? You know, I mean? how do they run a casting session or how are they communicating that? And I think it's like finding like systems that work for you and then applying mm-hmm. them. And then really it comes down to just like, experience, like having wow. your belt that you can just draw from. So being a director sounds like you have to, because there is not a lot of that, because I can see why it's like you're directing. You don't necessarily, it, it's a tough position to stop and be like, here's why I did this, or here was my thought process behind it, or here's why I made this call. Um, they're probably not going to take a lot of time to mentor in doing something like that. Um, yeah. but it sounds like a position of such like, so I'm loving what you're talking about because you have a level, I don't even know if you're aware, but I'm guessing you're super aware because you are so self-aware of your level of self-trust and the ability to just let go and make peace with whatever decision you made and learn from it. Yeah. And it's actually, a lot of like... So freaking powerful. It's a, it's, directing is, a, is like basically decision after decision after decision. Like, and it's how those decisions come together that make the final thing. It's yeah. like... It's like simple as, as that sounds, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's really, I'm not the one physically lighting it. I'm not the one physically building that wall. I'm not the mm-hmm. one physically dressing the talent. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just decisions I'm making that are, you know, that I'm communicating to others and those decisions coming together makes the outcome. And it's really, yes, it's trusting your gut and trusting your eye and all of that just takes practice. Yeah. So that, that makes me ask just about, you know, the first time that you had a big project, um, what was it where it was like all you, and first of all, how did you even, it's kind of a, it's kind of a thing to be a female director. Like that is a big deal. What is it like to be a female director in a sea of not like how many other female directors are there that you know of who are kind of playing at your game level? Um, I mean, It's funny because I think that now more than ever, there are more female directors, Mm -hmm. so many. And it's because, you know, the generations before us, like there in music videos specifically, there was like five other female directors that were like a generation above me. 
Okay. Um, and I think that, you know, I saw them and I, you know, I, and I always say, I can always remember the female directors before I remember the male directors. Cause they're the ones that like stand out to me, obviously. Right. I'm like, Oh, wow. Cool. But I mean, I really do feel like now more than ever, there are more female directors. There, there are more females interested in filmmaking because they're seeing other females and mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. It's a whole idea of like, if she can see it, she can be it. And, um, and I really do feel that like, you know, with this whole Me Too era and um, I, I feel like there is, you know, a need and want for that female perspective mm-hmm. and brands and artists and, and studios, they're all recognizing that female perspective is, it's not just like crucial to like, you know, filmmaking and like, you know, culture, but people are really demanding that. Yeah. So I think that's also calling for more female directors and female filmmakers. And and something I say, and I've said this in the past, just like, yeah, I get it. It's a hard job. It's a really hard job. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like it's it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot on your body. And as females, you know, we don't just get to like roll out of bed, put on an outfit and go and like be all about the work. We have so much other stuff that like we should prioritize. I mean, not should, but like I choose to prioritize mm-hmm. it's how I put myself out there in the world, working out, like eating healthy, hair, makeup, cool clothes, you know, whatever that may be. It's just, it takes a lot to do all of that mm-hmm. and do all this work. And, you know, I sound like an idiot, I think, by saying that, but like, I don't no. know. I feel like there, it's so much easier, I think, for guys to be fully just like about the job. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and again, and I think this industry is you have to be so all in like that um, because there's just so many hungry people in this industry and things move so quickly and you have to just always be at the top of your game. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, it's hard to do it all. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't know. I'm just not one of those people that can just like, roll out of bed or roll the set, like not having worked out or this or that. Like I have to do all those other things to feel my best so I can come to the table and like do my job. So mm. yeah, but it's possible. So, so something that you were talking about earlier was uh, obviously, um, you know, so, some of the burnout that's happened because you did just have such a, an incredible level of things on your plate and awesome projects that I'm sure you're so excited about, but yeah. at the same time, there can be a, a, something, you know, as too much. And so tell me about, you know, when, just when that moment hit, when you were like, wow, even though this is all great, like there is, there is such a thing as too much. And then also, um, I just want to hear about how you are able to, cause a lot of, I'm, I'm sure a lot of, it's really easy to get caught up in the identity of being on top. Like, you know, being wanted, being, making sure that you're at all the things and you're not missing out. So how do you balance that? Cause that is really huge, especially once you get on top, there's a lot of pressure to stay on top. Yeah, there really is a lot of pressure to stay on top. And I think there's a, especially in the music video industry, because in the music video industry, it's like, you have to be doing like the cool projects, the cool artists. And like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to maintain a level of quality. And I think I really that comes down to just having a really great team. Again, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's not just me. It's like, I have a really, I'm with a really great production company called London Alley mm-hmm. and not just a production company, but we also run post. Mm-hmm. Everything is like in-house. Like we, you know, they just, you know, they, they handle all the post side. I edit most of the videos and then we take it to a color 
place where they color correct it and mm-hmm. like do all those polishings. And then we'll do beauty and effects somewhere else. But like that process of like, you know, who handles it to send it to that person, who handles it to send it to that person, who's communicating yeah. the label for final delivery. All of that is being handled at our production company. And and I wouldn't be able to do the volume of stuff that I do if it wasn't for, you know, that well-oiled machine of the company backing me. And I yeah. think that comes, you know, and, and same with like the types of projects I take. I have a really good rep and he's really good at like sort of being like my coach as I like get into some situations that may be tricky. Mm. Right, well, how do we balance like, okay, I'm not available for that job, but I don't want to like brush that person off. Like how do we like balance how we communicate to people so I can still like do great work? How do you choose between projects? Like that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that again, I think it comes down to just like having like a focus um, mm sort of, all right, is this a, is this a money job? Is this a cool artist that I want to work with? Is it a cool idea that it's like flexing a different muscle for me and showing off yes. the side side of me? Um, I didn't mean to lead with the money job part, but like it is all right. a factor. We all, are all decisions. decisions. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a business that, you know, at the end of the day or, and like, can we pull off something for this artist that, that we haven't seen before is the budget going to like, you know, fulfill that need. Like, am I going to be able to make this artist look their best with this amount of money? If it's not the right money, then like, it's not the project that I should be doing mm. not in my pocket, but just like what's on screen and like the tools and things you need to make that person look better than they did in their last project. And that sort of thing are all things that I put that I factor into how I take work. Um, mm. um I don't remember what your first part of your question was though. I'm so in it with you, but (laughs) that made me think about like where the, the importance of, you know, we, we talked about resting, um, and how, you know, but it sounds like, like you kind of know when you're not going to be your best and where you have to communicate. Like, even though I want to do this, like, it's not going to probably be my best work, not saying that necessarily, but you knowing that, you know? Yeah. And I think that comes down to, I think if it's, if it's if the if it's tricky in terms of timing, if there's a budget that that can support it, yeah, usually it works out. Okay, because you can hire the right people to like help you do the job, and like yes, there's a for example, like there's that whole like trifecta. It can't be fast, you know, cheap, and mm-hmm. look good. You yeah. know, what I mean? yes. <laughs> you know that whole thing. Yeah, you know, it could be like two of the three things. Yep. So it's like, okay, let's say we have a shoot next week, but, um, you know, it seems really impossible and we're just now getting the job awarded and we need to shoot next week. If there's not enough money to pull that off that quickly, we shouldn't do it, but Oh, it's actually a healthy budget. We can do it. Yeah. That kind of goes into it. For sure. So how do you uh, tap into your creativity? Like you have so many different ideas and concepts. Do you go away for it? Are you on a walk? Do you like, cause you're a storyteller. Yeah, no. So how do you get, how do you get that? And how are you like, yes, I can see this happening. Does it come in visions? Does it come in? Like, do you go, where's most of your creativity coming from? Or is it all over the place? It really is kind of all over the place. And I, I do believe that creativity comes with persistence and, and mm. practice. Mm. I don't think that people like can just hop right into something. I think there is... Um, I think that I really do believe that creativity is... you know, It, it comes from really persisting at mm. you know, 
whether it be, I've just had, I've just had a lot of practice thinking of concepts for music videos. Mm. And I really, at the end of the day, it does stem from obviously the song, like the song that you're doing the video for the artist, what it is they're kind of up to in their, in their world and, and visually what are they doing right now and that sort of thing. But I, I, you know, what is the song about? What is the message of the song without being too on the nose? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a lot of times, you know, I, I love to look at visual references and just sort of like get inspired by like, you know, I have like, you know, Pinterest boards and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, that's a cool like location or like, that's a cool, that's a cool hotel room. I really like that wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And that kind of may inspire something that I saw in a movie. And I'm like, oh yeah, that one scene, that could be cool. Like, and so I think it really just depends on so many factors, but there really is no like one concrete thing. It used to be like, I would need like week, like a week at least to think of an idea for something. Okay. Like, like I'd be like, like stewing over this one video for like a week and being like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And there are still times when that happens, but I think it really, now I'm like able to like think about ideas and like, okay, what would make sense in a music video? How much time do we have like to tell that story? Like three and a half minutes. Okay. Then how many scenes is that usually? How many setups is that usually? And, um, and you can be, you know, quicker at that obviously now, but I love to be collaborative with the artist. Mm -hmm. That's something I said earlier. I just like to work in that way. Like what, because I think true magic happens in a music video when it's really authentic to that person. Yes. Authentic to the artist. As simple as that concept sounds. If it, if it really resonates with that artist, it's going to be successful. Yep. I think at the end of the day, more, more importantly, the song has to be good and you have to like the song in order to like make something good out of it. But, um, it does it feel right for the artist? And that's something that Ariana is so good at. She's mm. really, she has a really strong brand and she understands her audience and her voice. And, um, and well, she knows her voice, like visually speaking, obviously her singing voice is insane, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's an artist who just knows herself so well. So we're able to get really specific with the types of videos we do with her because her brand is so strong. So mm-hmm. we make something that's much richer than let's say an artist who's like, doesn't really know what their look is yet, or maybe they're not sure their tone. You know what I mean? Like, are they more yes. comedy? Are they more sexy, serious? Are they trying to be like, you know, you don't really know which direction they are, or like what mm-hmm. feels right to them yet. And I find this in a lot of like younger artists. Yes. Um, so I think it's all about like knowing yourself. Yeah. And, and, the more you can like establish that brand, uh, like an artist speaking, you know, um, better and richer, like the video work will be. God, that just applies to everything though. Like it's taken me so many years to be like, this is what I talk about. This is what I don't talk about. I've absolutely tried to like change myself to show up on, you know, different stages or bigger stages or different people's stages who I was like, yeah, but I'm putting them on a pedestal. Like this is this person I look up to, except my message doesn't match at all. And then I go try to change. So that goes into my next question actually. And we're we're nearing the end. I don't want to keep you all day, but clearly I could. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I'm like to be continued. Um, So have you ever uh, like, and I think in the beginning you do have to do some of this. So I'm curious what you think. Like, 
take jobs that totally aren't a fit and you kind of like show up on set and you change who you are and you're kind of like, Oh God, this just doesn't even feel right. But what does that ultimately, like, how did you start to recognize what does and doesn't work for you? Like what feelings show up and what like shows up in your body and your mind when you're just not in alignment? Yeah, that's a great question. I There's been some projects where I've taken the job and I think it's one thing and then it ends up being something else. Mm. And I'm just like... And that comes down to, you know, let's say, okay, there's this one job I'm thinking about in particular. I won't say the name, but <laughs> I remember like I, I got all these sort of red flags and I should have like stopped it sooner. Can I ask how those come up? Because that's yeah. so important. Like what... When you're getting red flags, you're like... Ah. Okay, not sure. Letting that go. Uh, what what are they that's yeah. coming up in your mind? I think a red flag from the beginning before the job even awarded was that they wanted to work with this other director, mm. and they had this other idea, this other treatment they wanted oh, to do. Got but it. The label didn't think that director could pull off a video of this size yet, mm. and the, but the artist was just so gung ho about this idea that this other director had done or put together in this treatment. And the label was like, we'll just have Hannah do a version of that treatment mm. and spit on it. And I put together a treatment and it was always kind of veering back to what this other person had done. And I was like, I don't think that's very cool. Like, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm collaborative. I want to make sure they feel heard and seen. And I want to make sure they are getting a video that actually feels like them. So yeah. who am I to really get in the way of that? All I can say is like, here's what I think. Here's what I think would be cool. Um, you know, we can work in elements of this, but I do think this is going to be a really strong look for you. Mm. And um, you know, we get to the rehearsals and everything's going okay and everything's going fine. And then on set, it just everything kind of just is not syncing up. They're not trusting me when I think something's great. Yeah. And, um, and they are just like just don't have a really confident attitude on set when it comes time to like, I guess really respecting me and trusting me. Maybe there's like kind of talking with the stylist away from me and they're not really telling me how they feel about something mm. or asking other people what they think, but they're like not asking me. And that was just weird. I could tell, I'm like, this is not going well because this person is truly not like recognizing that I'm bringing something to the table or like affecting mm. my opinion. And mm-hmm. why am I even here at this point? You know what I mean? And, yes. And I could tell within the first scene, it was going to, that it was like that. And then the rest of the day kind of just kept on going. And I just really had just to stay positive. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, obviously I was directing the, the project. So I couldn't just like, all right, I guess I'm going to sit down and like not do anything. I had to yeah. like still finish Keep the going. Show. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know. I, I hate when the feeling that comes up, I think is why don't you feel like you can talk to me about it? Like, mm-hmm. why can't we have this conversation? And, and I just get really frustrated and really angry, really. Cause I, 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 at that point, I feel like, yeah, you know what? I've done so much to try and convince you that you can come to me and you, you and I can have be, you know, have a collaborative conversation that could be constructive and tell me what you're feeling and maybe we mm-hmm. can work this out. And, and it always just sort of makes me frustrated and like kind of hurts my feelings when they feel like they can't do that. Mm. And they start to talk with people on their team that like they're closer to like, you know, a longtime stylist or a longtime makeup artist. Yeah. Or, and I'm like, why can't you just like tell me what you're feeling? 
So how do you, how will you avoid that next time? Or will it just be like from the start, you think you'll get a lot of like signals? Um, I think how I would avoid it is I'll lay the groundwork before I accept the job. Mm. Like, Hey, like if I, if I'm feeling some of those feelings, yes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm feeling some of those feelings before the job is awarded, Mm-hmm. And I will express my concerns. Yeah. Give me to put it. I'll be like, you know, I've been in situations like this before. Um, you know, if you, if I want to know, I'm going into this project with you trusting me and, and because this is not going to work if you don't trust me, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, why would you want to work with somebody that you don't trust? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to them, like, why would they want to work with me if they don't trust me? So yeah, just sort of establishing that, like, listen, I'm on your team. Like, yeah. you and I, like, I'm on your team. I'm here to make you look amazing. That's my mm-hmm. one goal is to make you look and feel amazing. And mm-hmm. if, and I think just sort of like bringing up concerns if I'm like thinking they don't feel that way with me. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's a tricky yeah. thing to do because sometimes you just kind of have to take the job and like go forward with it. Yeah, you know, and learn from that and for sure. That and just have mm-hmm. and again thick skin. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. if I was in that situation again and I didn't see the signs until I was on set, all you can do is just be like, all right, this is their video. You know what I mean? At the end and of the just day, roll I, don't with it. To, I don't have to promote it. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of projects that are not on my website, you know? Yeah. And- You're so reminding me. I, I actually had a tiny experience like this, but also have some friends who have um, in the book world who have written books of a concept of like, you know, the publisher that they want this book and they think that this person can write it, except they kind of just already have this attachment to the idea of this book and don't want the input of the person who's actually the soul of, of the book. So then it creates this really tough relationship of like, we just want you to write it, but we don't want you to put yourself into it. Like that's actually almost impossible as a creator. So so I've definitely seen it where I have an opportunity and I'm so glad that I skipped over it because when I sat down in theory to write an outline for a book that this other person wanted, and I was like, Oh, this is like a fast track. I can do this. They can, you know, it's somebody I want to recognize me. So I was going to do it out of, you know, looking back ego of wanting to be seen. I just couldn't get it out of my system because I, it wasn't mine, you know? So it was very challenging to like get this concept out that wasn't necessarily mine to begin with. So I think that happens in, in every different position and everything we do. So, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you like go on with your day. Hopefully you have cooking class or something awesome (laughs) after. Um, But is there anything coming up for you that you just kind of want people to know who are, um, you know, most of the people who are listening to this podcast are really going after their dreams, but there's usually like a little asterisk or things that they're stuck on. And it's, it's pretty much 99% of the time their mindset or what they're thinking or what they believe in their self or something from the past. So is there anything coming up that you kind of want to tell people who are going for it, but have a little hesitation? Yeah. Um, I think something that is going on with me right now that I think somebody like starting out in any career, just somebody even just in any phase of their career, I think can take away is I actually got off Instagram Mm. like about a month ago. I'm like on like maybe every couple days, let's check a DM and whatever. But um, I feel so much better not being Mm. on it. I didn't realize that I was on it and like how I was feeling Mm. about it. Cause I was like, cause what I do is I like, 
I consume things for like my job. Like right. what, what's this artist doing? Where is that artist? Or what is that cinematographer shooting? Oh, cool. What is that director doing? Ooh, who's they, who did they use for styling? Okay, cool. And I really used it as a tool, but I think over the past like month of really just not being on it, like I don't scroll. I like kind of muted some people that were just like really aggressively posting every aspect of their life. And <laughs> And, and all of a sudden I was like, what are they doing? They're not posting their life to like, they're not posting their work. They're not posting, they're posting a table of presents. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what are you trying to make people feel? Like when you post these like really frivolous over the top gratuitous photos, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I just kind of like, I, and then I, when I did go on every now and then, and I was like feeling these feelings of just like anger like, oh my God, the stylist didn't tag me in this video. Why would why didn't that stylist tag me? And I would just be like so aggressively angry about it. Yeah. And I don't know, I just I got off of it and I'm only on it, like I said, a couple of times, uh, like every few days, maybe, just to like check a D see if I have any like outstanding like DMs of somebody that like, oh, actually I've been wanting to like talk to that person. Yeah. And I feel so much better. I just mm-hmm. have like, I don't, I feel like I'm not like. I feel like in my, I'm in my own life, yeah. In other people's lives, which yes. is like surprisingly such a thing. Where I like to be able to like ask people what they're up to and not just know that they were just on vacation. You know what I mean? And, I, and it is a double edged sword because like I, you, you want to still feel like you're in the know mm-hmm. and you want to feel like you're kind of like on top of things, like culturally. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think people just need to like chill out on Instagram just a little bit. Mm. And like, I love if you're that. I'm going to go look, look at somebody, like deliberately go and look at somebody. Like I'll go look up you and be like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yes, what is she up to? But the scrolling of the stories and up the feed is just like, I don't know. I just found that I was wasting a lot of time. Yeah. And, and I just feel bad. And again, like I feel like shit right now. <laughs> no, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I'm just like able to be more in my own life. Yeah. And totally. Like, oh, you have your own thoughts. <laughs> In, in my own head, yep. I find that it's, I don't miss it. In the beginning, it was a lot like eating healthy. Like, oh, I really want that like, cookie or I really want that like, <laughs> chips. Yes. Now, like, oh, I don't even crave it. Wow. I don't crave like going on my phone. I think what I did was I took it off like my front page and then I put it mm. in like some folder. So if I wanted to like go on Instagram, I'd have to like type in Instagram. That is so smart. Yeah. yeah. You don't I have don't to delete it. it all the time. You can just put it in a folder. That's brilliant because it'll take out all those little moments where, you know, even for me, sometimes I'll have like a 15 minute break where I really should use that break to just like sit and not do anything instead yeah. of consuming, you know, constant consumption. Cause I know it's, it's yeah. petty and like small and like, Oh God, are we really that generation that's just addicted to this? But I don't yes, know. We are. <laughs> it does affect people, even if they think they're okay with it. Yep. Totally. No, I noticed it for sure. I love that you're saying that. It's just such a good reminder for me too, because I am now putting specific times, like putting my phone away from me just to what, like keep it away. What is my life like when I'm not feeling urgency of even worrying about, do I need to answer something? Do I, you know, do I need to yeah. look at something? And I think there's something for being that way. Like if for I'm sure. a job, obviously my phone's in my hand, but like, if I'm not like, I don't know. My husband also works with me. So like, I am lucky right. I don't have to be so attached because he is, you know what I mean? Right. He totally. Phones, I'm like, if somebody needs to get a hold of me, they know just to get a hold of him. But it's just that whole idea of just being able to not rely on 
seeing what other people are doing mm-hmm. for entertainment. Totally. And I didn't realize that it was affecting me. And then now that I'm like, kind of like off of it for a bit, it's been like about a month of just really not being on it. Wow. And I'll, and I'll post and go, you know, and I think that's obviously, I know it's not the, like the nicest thing to like post my own shit and then like bounce out of there. But I get the purpose of it for work, you know what I mean? Right. And I get that like, I need to like, it's your portfolio and like supporting things and people. And I, I, I totally get that. And I, and I see the importance there, but I think for sanity, we don't need to be scrolling as often. Like I think mental health above. Yeah. Mental health above all else. So you just, you can't worry about what other people think because they're probably thinking it for five seconds and then they're thinking about themselves again. So it's just, it's not as, it's not as big of a deal as we all are making it, especially once you get off, you realize that. So, oh my God, I've loved talking to you. Um, I was just like, oh, I love it. Are you kidding? I was like, well, shit, I didn't ask her if she had something after this. So um, I always end on one last question. Um, and that is, what's my last question here? Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> you are in passing with a total stranger. So whether it's like in a, on a sidewalk for like 30 seconds or in an elevator, like literally it's just 30 seconds and it's a total stranger and they look at you and they say, how do I make myself happy? What do you say? Oh yes. I love this question that you do. <laughs> um, as simple as it sounds, do things that make you happy. As simple as that is, what makes you happy? Like, do something that makes you happy. Mm, I amen. Like, I know that's really simple, but like, um, well, it's kind of the key because I don't yeah. think enough of us are asking what makes me happy, and we're definitely not putting in the calendar. We just wake up and we do the same thing that we did the day before. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely love that because I ask Everybody myself that all the time: what it is that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Just find more, like, do more of those things that, like deep down in your core make you happy yes amen sister all right you guys if you love this episode as much as i did make sure you text it to a friend right now share it with a friend and until next time earn your happy bye everyone Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. 
but a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday. I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back. And I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community 
for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it.